I'm Katie. I'm Ashley. And I'm Audrey. And this is Ambitious Appalachia. So I'm, I'm just having like severe anxiety that, or like this irrational fear that I'm going to be fired. I have this like lingering doom that something bad's going to happen and like I'm not meant to be a manager or like I'm just having all this anxiety about shit and um I like I know how to cope with it it's just like it isn't going away (laughs) and like I just like I feel like it's normal though because everyone I've talked to is like oh yeah that's normal when you make a big purchase when you make a big move like it's normal to be like what if I fail and I just feel so much pressure to not that I can't fail, you know, like it can't happen, like I cannot fail. The way I deal with it is like, okay, I've gotten to this point and I've gotten to this point and all these people have believed in me every step of the way more than I've believed in myself. So like that tells me that I'm seeing deficits where they're not. So I always have to like talk myself down, but it never really goes away. You just kind of figure out how to live with it and like fake it till you make it like over if if you've never done something before, or if somebody like puts you, like for me, if somebody puts me in a position that I've never been in before, I just have to pretend to be confident and like trick myself into being confident. Anytime I like get in my car, I'm like, okay, you can't like, I, like, I don't even like, I've not, I've not had a drink in my car. I've not had anything because I'm like, you can't mess it up because you might have to sell it back because you might lose your job. Okay. Like I'm telling you, it's been so bad this week. And I think it's because I confirm the apartment and I'm making a move. I'm like, what if I make this move? And like, I get down there and they're like, oh, sorry. We actually fucking hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that part of that too is, um, (sighs) (laughs) there's nothing worse than knowing exactly what you're going to say. And then ADHD wants to say, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) At least that's what I blame it on. I could have early stages of dementia too. Who knows? (laughs) Oh God. I blame mine on. I'm always like, it's COVID brain. Because they don't, because I don't even know what I blamed it on before COVID, but now I'm like, it's COVID brain because they don't have like an idea. Like there's no like research about when that could that brain fog could go away, like how long it lasts. And I'm like, this COVID brain. Well, and something I noticed on that trip I was at, because I work remotely, so I'm never in I'm rarely in like big crowds of coworkers or like peers. So I was at a conference earlier last month, but I had very targeted people to talk to. At my company trip, I realized how sensitive I am to a lot of stimulation with conversation. Like it is so hard for me now because I'm not used, I'm not practiced at it anymore to be able to pivot from, you know, person to person, topic to topic when you're in kind of like a at a cocktail table or whatever with like your coworkers, And then like, I couldn't remember names, like, and I only meet these people, you know, twice a year, three times a year, maybe. And I just like, I felt like I was just like not making a good impression. Cause I, I feel like COVID robbed me of my social skills. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I am, I completely get that because, um, I just have been overstimulated. Mine's never really with conversations, but then after conversations, I will analyze everything I said and be like, oh, they think I'm fucking stupid. (laughs) Or like, I get overstimulated just when I like have a big list, you know, I'm like, 
and like I'm, I'm proud of myself because I'm, I'm more self-aware and I know what that feeling is now rather than just like being cheating or just doing like unhealthy shit um, because I just want to shut down and like watch Netflix, you know? So I'm, I'm becoming more self-aware of it, but um, it fucking sucks. I can't like, it's just because I, I can't prevent it. I'm like, I just don't want I'm, I'm like, I, I don't feel like doing anything like healthy today. I just want to fucking sulk. Let me be. I just want to exist. I don't want to yeah. do anything. I just want to be alive and make it yeah. to the end of the day. Well, that is literally my thoughts. The funny thing is like, we, that's what we want to do. And for me, like, it's so hard to fight that impulse because I know like if I'm having like a down day or if I'm like a little depressed or whatever, seasonal depression day, whatever, if I decide to like give into it and don't fight against it, it's worse the next day. So So the missing thought came back. Okay, here we go. (laughs) So back, back to that. Um, I wrote it down. So the things that are out of our control. So Ashley, you were talking about, you know, what if I just get fired? Because I always like think about that too. Um, I'm just like, what if I'm just, you know, one day they're just like, they don't need me anymore, even though I do my job, you know, or what if I'm just not doing it good enough, you know, but um, something that I try to remind myself is, you know, if I'm doing my job and I get fired, that is out of my control. I can't control that. And it's beyond me. But what I can control is, you know, um, I can save money so that, you know, if I do lose my job, then, you know, I'm a little secure or um, doing things that are in your control and the things that are out of your control, there's no reason to worry, you know, and that's, and that, that's something I have to preach to myself too. Um, yeah because I get caught up in things that, you know, that are out of, I feel like everybody does. We get caught up and worry so much and stress ourselves out so much about things that are completely out of our control, but there's no reason to, because we don't have any sort of control over it. So don't cause worry, don't cause stress and saying that to myself too. Was it Audrey? Was it you that got the message from the listener? Yeah. So we got a message from one of our listeners and I thought it would be great for us to share it. Um, So I'll go ahead and share it. Obviously, I won't say the person's name, um, but this is what she said. I truly enjoyed the first episode. It was wonderful to finally hear from down home. Successful women just talking like they're sitting in a living room drinking coffee or wine. Really felt comfortable listening to you all and cannot wait for the additional episodes. So proud of you all. And to be honest, like I was just wanting to tear up. And I know as soon as I saw it, I screenshot it and sent it to you guys. And I was just like, this just made me so happy. Like just being able to doing the doing, getting the feedback that we intended the podcast to be for if that yeah. I don't even know if that makes sense but no, that sense. no that's awesome that's the kind of support um or kind of I guess that's the void we were looking to fill um and you know she talked about hearing from people that sound like her meaning down home <laughs> yeah. um 
but we we want everyone, all of our listeners, to give us that feedback. Um, we'll take constructive criticism. Um, we want to we we serve you guys, so we want to know what you want to hear. Um, so if there's anything you know that you have advice on, or something that you think is beneficial for yourself or anyone else that um, is a listener. DM us on Instagram um, on Ambitious Appalachia and let us know. We want to hear from you guys. Um, and with that, if you do like our episodes so far, leave us a review too. <laughs> Please. Five stars, bitches. <laughs> if you leave us anything less than five stars, we will come for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> not at all I'll be with her (laughs) so I went to my sister's NPC show which is the National Physique Committee um so she competed in the wellness section I mean I don't know the verbiage or whatever I don't know they want you to be heavy like more bottom like your legs to be more toned and they like that thicker so they call it wellness you know they like um for your quads to be more developed uh, your hamstrings um your glutes they want your kind of bottom half to be more developed and so that's that's wellness she fits it perfect (laughs) yes um so she competed in that division and um she won first place in a couple of I think two different like categories and then overall she came in second place within wellness um but and like huge huge kudos and like super proud of my sister just everything that she's accomplished so far um and like she took a break from just just being in the gym generally um and she started back and she had a super quick turnaround. Like it was like super within like, I don't know, maybe six, seven months. Um, she created this body that she has now and she's going to be competing in the derby competition as well. And um, it's an even bigger show. So um, I know that she's like working super hard right now back at it and um I'm really, really proud of her, and, I'm, and I hope that she's really proud of herself, too, but um, the main point that I wanted to talk about is just, I don't know, going, this is the second show that I've been to, watching my sister, and just the level of support that even your, the competition that's right next to you, like, everyone is just so supportive, um, and, like, seeing, like, entire gyms bring their, um, their, I guess, athletes to these competitions and like people will have shirts supporting, you know, their gym or their brand or their company. And um, I don't know, just the entire experience of it, like not only, you know, watching my sister, that's the main reason that I'm there, but, you know, taking in and absorbing everything that's really going on and just the overall environment of just seeing the interaction between the girls, like, the girl that um, <clears throat> came in first place of overall wellness, like she like came up to me and was like, take a picture of me and your sister. Like, I love her. Like she was just very, very supportive and just everyone just across the board was very supportive and even more so like just the gym that my sister is a part of, like 
it's it's amazing and it's like truly and I've, I've said this in like I think a Facebook post or something but it's a movement like what what K Fitness the gym has created um, and what the owners have created have really created a movement in Pikeville like over the years that it's been there and it's just I think that to me it's really impacted so many lives and not only the gym but the owners and the people that support it and the people that are a part of it. This is episode two and today we're going to discover what Katie, how Katie, what Katie, who's Katie? Who the fuck is she? (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck is Katie? (laughs) And if you're confused, So with us calling her Katie <laughs> you should be because her real name is Caitlin <laughs> all right true it's true we're gonna do a deep dive into fucking Katie's background <laughs> that's what I want to hear that's exactly like all if right. I was listening to podcasts and I heard that I was like damn who's this bitch Kate <laughs> well, I hate to disappoint but it's gonna be a lot less exciting <laughs> So today is episode two and we get to learn and discover the different things that Katie has done that has got her into the career that she's in today. Um, So to start us off, Katie, when you think about Southern Appalachia, what comes to mind? Thank you for the glowing introduction. Um, So, (laughs) and we've talked about this a little bit, but, um, and I think this is kind of common for most people that are from where we're from. Appalachia, you know, we have a complicated relationship, at least I do. Um, I love where I'm from. I love like the natural beauty. Um, All of my family is there. So I love the people. The culture is incredibly unique. And because it's insulated, it's kind of a step back in time. There's also um, the lack of opportunities and things like that. So for me, it's important to focus on the good in Appalachia and not think so much about all of its ailings right now because there are so many. Um, so I've, I've recently, you know, had to come to terms with my relationship with Appalachia because I've always had negative things to say about it. And then I realized that um, that's not always accurate. Um, can you just like, let us know what your job is and what you do and um, how that came to be? So, um, I set a goal for myself when I was in, I believe my freshman year of high school and I'm from Northeastern Kentucky near the Ashland area. So it's kind of where Kentucky, Ohio and West Virginia meet. Um, I decided I wanted to play a sport in college because I thought that that would help me stay motivated because I'd always made really good grades because I'd had very little time for any distractions because I only had sports and school and there was, I had to, um, manage my time really wisely. So I wanted to keep that going. I worked to get a scholarship. I had to end up um, relying on my parents to believe in me that I could get a scholarship and play, pay for me to play club volleyball, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and then I was recruited to go to the University of Pikeville where I played on a team with Audrey and met you, Ashley. Um, and I was a communication major. Um, I moved to Pikeville 
with no other graduate from my high school. And I graduated with, I think, 58 people. Um, and it seemed like everybody was kind of going off in pairs. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go. I don't know anybody. And I remember walking into open gym before college even started and immediately made friends with Audrey and another girl on our team. But I loved Pikeville. Um, I'm from a small area. So Pikeville, Kentucky, if people have never been, is a really special place. It's nestled in the mountains. I knew I wanted to go into communications because it was the broadest possible career path I could take at the time and like cast a wide net. And I was an art minor just because that's something like I love and I'm passionate about drawing, painting, all that. But I know it's not going to make me any money. Um, and being from the backgrounds we're from, we don't have the luxury to be artists. So <laughs> um, somebody's got to, you know, pay the bills. So yeah. <laughs> I got really lucky and made some good relationships at Pikeville um, in some of the different departments. I was given the opportunity for an internship of the, in the Office of Development. And I thought that at the time I wanted to be an event coordinator. So Office of Development, coordinating fundraising events, perfect. I was going to work for a nonprofit. I love that. And then I realized how much money people that work for nonprofits make. <laughs> and I was like, I worked at the Hilton in town for a little while. So I had, I kind of, that was my foray into the hospitality industry, um, which is where I am now, but they um, hired me as their director of operations for a little bed and breakfast <laughs> in downtown Bikeville. And I had no experience. I just got along really well with the uh, manager of the Hilton. Very grateful to him for the, to, to this day. Um, I was essentially their bookkeeper, but he let me take that director of operations title, knowing how much it would help my resume. So I'm always appreciative, but I did that. That house uh, is haunted. It is haunted for sure. That house. <laughs> oh, and I, nobody knows this, but um, the owner of the house, like when you manage it, you get a key and the attic is full of like civil war memorabilia and like old timey, like artifacts that are probably worth a bunch of money. Like, Yeah that's now they're gonna be robbed thanks oh i know i should have said that <laughs> oh god um yeah just bleep out what is up there yeah yeah, yeah. and honestly it could just be like just useless items that are worth nothing yeah. at like a flea market or something i've lived here for 31 years and i've never been there never been inside I, and I would go do my homework there sometimes too, because there was never anybody in it. Like there was very few times we were sold out and there was like four rooms. The parking lot became useful too. Oh, yeah. And the parking lot became our parking spot when we went to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that yeah. my junior and senior year. Um, and that was really the only job I had time for, like in between babysitting with volleyball, like you kind of had to get creative on how you made money. Um, but I knew I wanted to go into sales after that point and thought maybe like, event sales for a hotel or something like that. Um, but I didn't know exactly how to get started. So when I graduated, I moved to Lexington, which is two hours, two and a half hours North of Pikeville and like the center of the state. And I took a job with enterprise because everyone that has like a significant career in sales, there are so many of them that have starts at that company and they love college athletes. So, because we're competitive. So I, um, applied for enterprise. I got the job. I worked there for like three years and then moved into digital advertising sales for multifamily communities. Um, I am not passionate about multifamily. There are some people that are, but it was a really fun job because I got to be on all kinds of committees and um, part of associations and things like that. 
but I got out of multifamily because um, I love the restaurant industry. I love the people that work in the restaurant industry. I love like knowing when all the new restaurants are coming out and where the new places are to go. And like, so I applied for a job that I thought I was not at all qualified for with a restaurant technology company. Um, and I got it and it was super competitive. It was two of the hardest years of my life, but I'm glad I did it because it then allowed me to be recruited by the company I work for now. So I am the sales manager of national accounts for a hospitality software tech company. Um, and we are an industry leader in the event management hospitality space. Sorry, that so, was a story. I, I've, I've had a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, Katie, you know, that is a, an extremely, you know, desirable job among many people that are in sales and especially in software sales in hospitality. Um, so what, what would, what type of like advice would you give somebody that would, is interested in what you're doing? What do you think that, you know, these people that want to be where you're at, what advice would you give them? You have to just keep taking that next step forward and no one knows what your confidence level is. Like all they care about is the end product. So take the leap, do it scared. And then before you know it, you'll have all of these skills that allow you to take that next role. And the nice thing about hospitality is that, especially hospitality software is hospitality tech is ever changing. And like the tech industry moves at the speed of lightning and you've always got new um, startups take a chance on the company that feels like it has the culture you want and it has a product you're passionate about because it'll be a lot easier to sell it. So find like an industry leader or an innovative company. I think that, yeah, I think you just have to be willing to do something and be bad at it and fail at it. And the thing is, is like every time I've tried something that I've been scared to do, it has never been as bad as I thought it was going to be. And for the most part, it's worked out. I think sometimes we get in this small town, small mind or small goals, you know, that we can't, that you can't, um, you know, that you can't be an actor. You can't be a singer. You can't be, you know, president one day. You can't be a senator, you know, like all these things. I think, you know, I, I speak for myself, you know, coming from where I came from. I never thought that was going to be, you know, something like that would be obtainable for me because I come from such a small town and that just doesn't happen to women in small yeah. towns like this, you know, that didn't happen. You know, you become a teacher or a nurse or, you know, those are the goals that, you know, you hit and, and, you know, with, with all of that, and, you know, just what we've been talking about, um, um, you know, where does that ambition come from? What drives it? Yeah, that's, it's hard for me to pinpoint um, because, and I think Audrey, you talked about this a little bit when you were giving your background, but there was a lot of people that we knew we didn't want to be like, and a lot of what we didn't want. So by process of elimination, you know, home life wasn't always like the most peaceful. There was a lot of chaos there. There was love, don't get me wrong, but there was a lot of chaos. Um, my go-to coping mechanism was to go inward and visualize what my future would like, look like one day and that I would not have to live like this every day. Like it won't always be like this. Just, just survive this day, just get to the next day. Um, and I, I don't want people to think that <laughs> like there are definitely, like I had a good childhood. I came from a, 
a loving home, but little Katie was, you know, thinking about what she wanted to do, what she wanted her life to look like. And I have so much peace. I have so much freedom. I have, um, the ability to travel. I'm, I think little Katie would be really proud. And that's just what I keep, I just keep trying to make her proud. I love that. I'm going to tear up. Please don't. Um, But I don't know. It's just like, obviously, Katie, we've known each other for a while, you know, and like, I know some of these stories and I know, you know, probably more than Ashley knows, but, you know, just hearing you say these things and hearing new things, you know, that I haven't, that I haven't heard from you. It's, it's cool to hear, but it, it, I don't know. It just makes me feel more connected to you. Um, but like, I don't know. I always think about how, like in college about how you, you were always like so motivated and just so like on, on it, you're just on your shit at all times, you know, and you were always like supporting everybody. We always called like Katie the mom. She was always taking care of everybody and stuff like that. Um, and you know, I, I've met your family. I've been to your house and, you know, they know me and stuff. And, um, I've always really admired, um, how, just how well you maneuvered through, I watched you through college and how well you maneuvered through college and just, you know, taking on things that are like just big things that like usually people in college don't take on, like managing the, um, the, the house, I forget the name of it already, but I was just uh, honestly shocked that somebody was willing to give me the keys to anything (laughs) that was worth anything. I was like, are you sure? (laughs) It's, it's nice to hear that, like, you know, there are, people out there who you know women that I know that have you know dealt with struggles and and um have you know used that as ambition or drive that you know just just relatable because um it's not often that people like talk about that or even you know if you if you Katie if you don't know which it's going to be hard for me like very few people don't know her name, but Brene Brown. Yes, I love Brene Brown. Okay, so that's like, you know, the whole shame and vulnerability and, you know, all of that, like, we'll have to get into that to a whole another episode, yeah. but like, that is just, you know. Um, I love her thoughts on your your first family and your chosen family, and it like helps you separate, you know, those cycles and behaviors, I think. I yes. My, my therapist recommended reading, I think it's called The Power of Vulnerability by yeah. So, um, because I also struggle with, you know, being vulnerable, um, just in a lot of different aspects, but all right. So shifting topics a little bit. So Katie, was there a, was there a woman that really inspired or you truly admired as you were growing up that, you know, gave you some sort of like inspiration within you. My dad worked out of town a lot. And so my mom was a single mom for a good chunk of my childhood. And she went back to work two weeks after having me and had a C-section. She went back to work two weeks. Oh my gosh. She didn't want to miss a picture. Um, She is. But that kind of thing, like she couldn't, 
not go back to work. Like she just couldn't. So I never want that to go to waste. Um, she really like worked hard to provide for us. And my dad did too, obviously, but like my dad always instilled in us. He never wanted us to depend on a man, but watching my mom and knowing that like, she would have been just fine on her own was all the motivation I needed. Like he could say that a million times, but seeing my mom do it, knowing how many sacrifices that have been made, it is selfish to not try to build on that. Absolutely. I I see that all the time. I think that's, you know, that's something I say to myself all the time. I owe it to my mom. Katie, you, you've already, you know, kind of took, took what the women in your family have, you know, done throughout their lives and you've you've taken that already a step further with where you're at right now you know with your career and um just just everything that you've all the success that you've had so far um so number one my question is how does that feel how does it feel to you know how does it feel to, you know, take all the sacrifices that they've made and then you've, you've turned into what you are now and you're still going? Honestly, it's scary because like, it's, you know, untraversed frontier, but, um, that happy medium between being proud of yourself and then continuing to, you know, stay motivated to keep doing things, especially when you really want to take a foot off the gas for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, um, I think, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, when we, when we look at each other and we think about this podcast, like I want people to know, like, it's okay for us to be successful and it's okay to say like, I fucking did that, you know? And so I just need to practice what I preach, I guess, and just be okay. Like, bitch, you're doing good. Like you're doing, you're doing great. Hey, you got a podcast with like two other badass bitches. Like we're doing great, you know? So. Katie, I don't want to overwhelm you with a question, but uh, I feel like it might overwhelm you. So I just wanted to put that out there. So don't feel overwhelmed and don't feel pressured at all because, you know, we're gassing you up in your role right now and all of that. So the question, how do you take where you're at right now a step further? I think that I'd love to see myself stay with the company I'm with for a while because I, I call it job hopping, but they were impressed with how long I've been at all these companies, but it was all under like three years. So I want to, I want to like dig in and make some relationships and spend a significant amount of time making a company my home and then see where that takes me because we are growing. And the reason I joined this company was because I saw the opportunity for growth. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna perform and sell my ass off and see where it takes me. So girl, you got it. (laughs) So with that being said, let's say that, you know, they're, so I just talked to, um, senior psychology majors about, uh, like their future plans once they graduate with a bachelor's degree. Um, so it, let's say that there are, people graduating with their bachelor's degree in communications or sales. Um, What type of advice would you give to enter the sales workforce? Well, enterprise is always hiring. (laughs) Um, That's where I started, but 
I think getting in on the ground level, um, even if you're like a business development representative or a sales development representative, those are the people like cold calling all day to try to set meetings for people in my position. There is no better crash course than cold calling people all day. Whatever industry you decide to go into, be the expert in it because you're going to be a better salesperson. Your clients are going to trust you more and you're going to learn so much more that you'll be able to parlay into more roles. So take everything you can never say no to anything. Like if an opportunity comes up, even if it's not your job, just say yes and do it. And then you've got that experience. So it's never boring. And if you came from like a world of athletics and kind of missed that aspect, you're on a team, you're competing with your teammates. Um, you're also helping your teammates. So it's a very similar kind of feel. So it's a good space to go into if you have that mindset. When I think sales and, you know, just like from farm reps and things like that, you know, you see a lot of men in sales. So to see a young 28 year old, like here, like, you know, be a friend to you, like, you know, fucking killing it. Like, I love it. I do. I love it because it's, you know, you know, you've always, I've always heard, you know, sales is a man's world. You know, when you go to car dealerships, who's selling you a car? I mean, so it's just like, I love that. Like you have these young women going in and fucking crushing it. Like I, I love it. And I'm, I'm glad to know you and like, maybe you can help me sell some shit. Cause I can't, I can't do it. I'm like, Oh, you can't afford it. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you can't afford $5. Just give me a dollar. It's fine. Just take it. <laughs> you can sell restaurant software during the pandemic. You are no longer scared to sell people things. Yeah. I have that confidence. And like, I love it so much. Like, I'm like, I'm, I just love that. I have that knowledge now. And like, I have a contact, like, the, you know, a friend that like, I can be like, okay, so I'm trying to sell myself to, for this job, like help me, you know? And, um, so I think even a lot of the advice you gave, um, to get into sales, that can, God, that can be so beneficial for even, you know, like an interview, like, Oh, you're always selling yourself, whether you realize it or not, always you are selling yourself. always, I'm selling yeah. the people in my company and I'm the face that represents that. Like you, mm-hmm. have, that's why I've always been like dressed for the job you want because you're selling you. And if you look competent, they're going to be like, okay, this is a good product. I'm buying from a competent company or com- competent person. So like, yeah, you're every room you walk in, you're selling yourself. I couldn't agree more. That's why um, I'm always in super professional when I'm at work, professional attire. I'm hardcore. Like I don't talk about anything other than work. Usually I don't talk about anything other than work when I'm at work. And um, I will say I've received a lot of just respect in general, just be, and I think that, you know, me always wearing a blazer and me always, you know, being just professional that has earned my respect across the board, just from, you know, everyone that I work with. And, yeah. and it's funny, um, cause I'm on the, I'm on, I'm on a little bit of the opposite like than that, because I am, you know, I'm a manager at the at mental health and like my people, um, you know, that I'm over like, we get in meetings, we cut up, we joke and, you know, we, and then it's serious time. And so like my leadership style and like my style with that is they have grown to like, like me. And so, um, they want to do well for me. And so I had, I had, I took kind of that approach in it, 
Um, and cause I'm just a jokester, but it's also mental health. We're working with sad people and like, you know, like all this, all the time. So like to give them a break and like cut a few jokes, I'm hoping, you know, as I grow in leadership that I see what works and what doesn't, you know, it might be in this specific role that this works best for me. And another role it might be like, I have to, you know, I can't, I can't do my little, you know, joke and like bubbly stuff. I have to stay in this professional manner the whole time. And I think, you know, as a leader in any job really that you go into any career path, you alter your professionalism. You alter who you are as a professional to grow. And it's always learn. You're always learning. And I would say with sales, Katie, it's gotta be the same thing. You've got to alter to your audience, you know? Yeah. That's the, and that was something that that's something I'm learning right now because the difference in selling to one person and selling to a C-suite of people, it's buying by committee. So you don't have to convince one person, you have to convince the entire executive team to buy a product. Wow. And that's something I'm worried about in this role that I'm, I'm going to need to work on is resilience and not getting frustrated. Um, because it is, it's just, you keep putting in the work and it will happen, but mm-hmm. it's a lot longer sales cycle and I'm doing it. You're doing it. You said that, you know, you have to try not to be frustrated, but I want you to know, this is, oh God, this is such a, this is so short shit to me, um, that your like frustration is validated. Right. And you said that you want, Nick, you want to be resilient. Everything that you've said today is proven to me that you are a resilient little fucker. Like <laughs> you are. So like I have, you know, and it's okay. It's validated to be frustrated, but take that frustration and make it motivation. And I feel like you've already done that. I feel like you've mastered that, you know? So like, I have no doubt like that you are going to be like one day I'm going to like just see you like in a big ass house with like a freaking God, I hope so. <laughs> like a g-wagon just like rolling up and i'm like this economy (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i will i will you have to come pick me up then but um i have i have like all the faith like just like hearing you talk like you are resilient like you said i gotta learn to be resilient and i'm like girl you just talked you just spent a whole podcast episode talking about how resilient you are so like i i'm like super impressed I said it about Audrey, I said it about you, like, I'm just super impressed with you girls, because, like, there are people who will never see that until their 40s, or, mm-hmm. you know, like, later in age to see, like, the leadership role, or to see, you know, a sales manager, like, with this success, or, you know, a director, or a manager, like, there are people who wait until they're, like, late 30s, 40s to even see those roles, so to see some young Appalachian women in them, I'm like, hell yeah look at us we're doing a damn thing so I i'm glad that. to learn more about you today all right everyone that wraps up our second episode of ambitious appalachia thank you so much katie for sharing all the things that you shared with us today about your career your ambitions and what inspires you i know that i've taken a lot away from today and i'm sure ashley has too Um, So our next episode, episode three, will be all about Ashley and her career and how she got into her career and what she's doing now and what she's going to be doing in the future. Um, So that will be released in one week. Um, So if you guys want to like, subscribe, and whatever else you do with podcasts, um, we would appreciate it. Um, But we'll see you guys in a week.
Peace. Bye. That was me. That was me. Here for it. That was me. I thought it was great. All right. Thanks for listening to Ambitious Appalachia. If you want to connect with us, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Ambitious Appalachia. You can also follow us on Twitter at Ambitious Pod. Feel free to message us and let us know what you'd like to hear and topics you'd like us to cover, maybe even guests you'd like us to have. And most importantly, tell your friends. And we will see you all next time.